It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Now let's just think for a second. Let's put ourselves in fairy tale mode. In a world where right is right and wrong is definitely wrong. Well, have you ever found yourself in between the two worlds and you get stuck and you just don't know which way to go? Which way is the faster way out? To move to the left, which might be right, or move to the right, which might be totally wrong. But you're more than halfway past that middle ground. So you just keep going because you're drawn in even deeper. Well, that's what happened to me. And that's what happened to him. And that's what happened to his wife. Let me start from the beginning. Well, I need to rehash a bit of something that happened a couple of years back just to bring you up to speed because things have progressed. Sounds like such a positive word to progress, but it's not in this case. Just want you to know all the facts, all the details, and most of the emotions. I met him five years ago. I had just moved to the city here. Met him on a dating site, told me he was getting ready to leave his wife. They'd both agreed that this was the right thing to do. So, me being in a new city with having no friends or family anywhere nearby, I believed him. Maybe I just needed somebody. So, I latched on and he latched on, and before you knew it, we were a couple. I can just remember everything as clear as day. How does a woman believe a man blindly based upon his word when he's married? How did I do that? I guess I just needed to. There are times when I think about this story and I wonder to myself, who has it worse? The wife who's unsuspecting and then finds out, or the other woman who knows all along but believes in the best. He is nowhere even in this equation. It's her or me. And it all depends on him. That's the stupidity, is allowing your own life to rest in somebody else's hands. Blindly. Every woman wants to believe in the man she's involved with, wants to think that he's got her best interest at heart, wants to think he says what he means and means what he says. When someone tells you they love you, don't you want to believe them? When somebody says to you they're in love with you, doesn't your heart just melt? For a minute, even? How do you doubt somebody when you love them too? You can't. You get caught up in this mini tsunami that's going on in your body, your soul, your head, your heart. We just get caught up. The first time I believed him unconditionally. 
I saw him three, four days a week. And he would tell me his wife knew he was out of town. And I didn't ask any questions. How stupid of me. He would go home for the weekends. I would do whatever I did to keep myself busy until I'd see him on Monday. Through Thursday or Friday, he was spending more time with me than he was with her, so I assumed everything he had told me was the truth. He and his wife were discussing, going through the process, whatever you want to call it, of divorce or separating. I felt lucky. I felt like I landed in a foreign place and wound up with a prize. But what was even stronger was he made me feel like the prize. I felt beautiful. I felt loved, needed, wanted, desired, everything that every woman wants to feel. Almost a year went by, maybe eight months, nine months. I don't know. Who could keep track at this point? For God's sake, you can read it in my book. He's in my book. The Diary of a Sugar Mom. I put the book out in 2013 and he's got his own chapter called Nick at Night. Buy it or listen to it here for free. It's on iTunes for free. I have all the audiobook for free here on iTunes. You get to his chapter and you'll recognize it all. I had said to him multiple times, what is going on? You know, what procedures are you guys taking? What's the next step? I was becoming a widow on the weekends. You know that feeling? If you've ever been involved with somebody you shouldn't be that is not available for you on the weekends, you have that sick feeling in your heart, that pit in the bottom of your stomach. It's like you know the truth, but you avoid every mirror in the house because you don't want to see it because it reflects from the glass of the mirror to your eyes and back to the mirror. And just how long can we lie to ourselves or our reflection? That's when you start to second guess yourself. How much of what he's been telling you is the truth? How much is a lie? How much more can you take? What does his wife really know? What, what is really going on in that house? All the stories that we hear on our end as the other woman. Is it all bullshit? Is it all made up? As smart as we think we are, we really begin to doubt life our minds, who we are, where we came from, what allowed us to even get ourselves into this position. And then we get angry. That's what happened to me. I just got angry. Because if you have a shred of dignity left, when you know it's coming close to the end, you could do one of two things, sulk and go hide Or stand up and open your mouth and make yourself heard. To not only him, who's the biggest culprit of all, I went to his wife. I had lots of questions, and I had more than enough answers. Well, that sort of called an end to that. But it would have ended anyway, because 
He wasn't coming to me, and I just had to smarten up. And apparently, so did she. How do you not know that your husband is missing for almost a year? How do you believe he's in some other hotel in another part of the country and not have a suspicion? I finally reached that point where I knew the difference between right and wrong, and I was totally in the wrong. But I couldn't be more wrong than him. So it ended. Months went by. Months. I tried to recuperate. I tried to get my life back on track. I tried to look for a good guy. I met someone. I started seeing him. But he wasn't the first guy. I was always in comparison mode, like shopping, trying to find the grapefruit that's just as sweet as the other one, or trying to find a bunch of bananas that were just as ripe and ready to be picked. Oh, I found this guy, or better yet, he found me. And the more we were together, the more I kept saying to him, this isn't right. I don't feel what you feel because he was falling in love with me. I wasn't. I still had this other man in my heart. How do you shake loose of that? That's what I'm trying to understand. How hard can you shake the apple tree before all the apples hit the ground? Even if there's one piece of fruit left on a limb, you're never set free. He came back. I didn't call him. He called me. And I was stupid enough to say yes. Let's see each other. Oh, when I think about that, I know I'm a smart woman. I know it. How did I let myself fall for this twice? He came back. We picked up right where we left off. It was like nothing had happened. I stayed with this other man that I was seeing because he was still with his wife. And I told him as long as he was married, I was going to continue to see somebody else on the side. Because we have to do what we have to do to protect ourselves. And this was what I thought was protection. Was I hurting the other guy? He didn't know a thing about it. But indirectly, yes, it was wrong. It was dishonest. Was I hurting me? Yes, big time because I couldn't separate the two. Every time I was with the guy I was seeing, all I could see was the man I was in love with. I couldn't get through the barrier. I just couldn't break through. Is that true love? Is that obsession? Is that defiance? What is it? What draws us to the flame like a moth? What Is it, what kind of glue or epoxy is it that holds us fast and steady and true to the wrong man? Do you think he left her the second time? No. Did I think he would? I hoped, but I knew. No. He left. That was the end, at least I thought. Eventually, A year later, I split up with the other man because I just couldn't take the lie anymore. I was telling him the truth the whole time that I didn't want to be with him. And yet, I stayed because I was afraid to be alone. Fear will allow you to do many, many things that you wouldn't do if you felt like you were steady on your feet. 
I didn't even feel like I had sea legs. I felt like I was stumbling everywhere. We split up, this other man and me. And I met somebody a month or two later that I started to date. I liked him. He was the first man I met that I felt something for. Something stirred in me, sexually, emotionally. Just something changed. I finally felt like I was breaking loose of the first guy. Let's just call him Nick, for lack of a better name. I was losing that hold that he had on me. I finally could be me and be free and point my attentions to somebody that had the tentacles that I needed to hold on to me. I enjoyed myself. I really did. The sex was great. Really great. Probably better than it was with the first guy. Because there was nothing to hold him back. He did everything. You know how somebody makes you feel like you are a part of them when you're in bed sexually? All they want to do is take control And that control includes making you priority. That's what this guy did. And I enjoyed every single minute of it. And I saw him as often as I could. And he was a hard worker and trying to get somewhere in life. Oh, he wasn't far enough ahead for me. I needed stability. I needed somebody that knew where they were and how far they wanted to go, and what their goal was that they were trying to reach. I felt like he was a bit of a newbie, even at this age, trying to get where he wanted to be. But you know, when you measure one thing against the other, sex against goals and personality against love, and when you put all of these pieces of the triangle and square and octagon and whatever shape it turns itself into... The bottom line with me is I need to feel like someone wants to take care of me. Not that I need someone to take care of me. Somebody wants to. And this man did. As I thought, Nick had too. But he didn't have the wherewithal. I knew it in the back of my mind. You know, when you feel like you've got the upper hand or the edge on somebody else, as far as life goals are concerned, you start to feel like this guy could never, ever get a grip on your life the way you want him to. You want somebody to be able to hold on to your ankles so that you can float into the atmosphere and enjoy yourself picking stars from the sky. And he can just hold on and say, you go ahead and pick them, Robin. You go ahead and have a good time and try and gather as many things as you can And I will hold on and pull you down so you could have a break and you can come back to reality for a little while and spend time with me. That's the guy I want. Someone that lets me be me, but knows how to reel me back in. I believe you're just like me in that way. It's that artistic, womanly, passion thing that we've got that we have to be able to explore and reach towards, but it's always better if we have somebody stronger that can pull us back down and talk to us and listen to what we have to say and be fascinated with us 
We are fascinating creatures. <laughs> Very fascinating. And the man that's with us knows it and is appreciative of that fact. Well, don't you know that Nick reads somewhere, might have been Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, I don't know, that I'm seeing somebody and it's getting pretty serious and he comes back into my life. This will be three times now. And I asked him, what is your intent? Like, why are you here? What do you want from me? Are you leaving your wife? The answer was, yes, I'm leaving. I cannot live without you. You are the love of my life. I have never been with a woman like you. I have never felt the way I feel like I do when I'm with you. I'm going through the motions at home. In the meantime, his car had been tracked by his wife. I'm amazed she didn't put something around his ankle to keep him close and know where he was. He was going through marriage counseling, talking to the priest, having to confess to his family, his children, all this bullshit that he went through that second time around that he left. And now here he is back, big as life, wanting to step over that threshold into Robin's world. And this other man that I had been seeing was in love with me. Here I was in this stupid, stupid ass, stupid position where I had to say to a man that was in love with me that I felt I had tremendous potential with, even though he wasn't where I wanted him to be, I saw him on the uprise. Like he could get there if he wanted to, and he did want to because he knew how important it was to me. I had to say to him, this other man that you know about in my life is back, and he is offering to leave his wife to be with me. I am afraid to say yes to you because there will always be that thing that's hanging over my head like the pendulum that might drop if I don't give him that opportunity to make it right finally with me. And this man sat across from me and teared and said, but I'm in love with you, Robin. And I just felt so horrible for all of us, all of us. And I said to him, you know, I see that potential with the feelings that I have for you, but I can't follow through unless I know the other is gone or alive. I need to give it a chance because I'll always wonder. I'll always doubt. And that could never be good for you and me. So he picked himself up. He left was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, honestly, to hurt somebody else for no reason that's carved in stone, just based on something that somebody says, somebody that mattered so much to me that had deceived me twice already. Why do I keep going back to him? Before you knew it, he told his wife, I was floored. He told her he wanted a divorce. He told his kids. He told his mother. He told his relatives. He went through a living hell. And while all of this is going on, his wife is packing his things. Not him, her. 
She packed all the boxes and she labeled them. How dysfunctional is this whole situation? Seriously. He moved into my house. And while he lived with me, I felt like I was in a dreamland. Like, how could this have happened? I wanted this forever. And let's not forget one little piece. You don't really know me if you haven't listened to previous podcasts, but I am a cancer survivor. He moved in when I just began chemo for the second time. So I didn't even know how I was going to feel. You know how they say when you have chemo, it stays in your system forever. Well, I mean, I had a ton of chemo from the first go-round that still had left me shaky. 24 months later, my balance wasn't good. Sometimes my words would come out a little bit screwy. But I was still me. It was still the same person, the same woman he came back to and said he loved and adored and didn't want to live without. So, I mean, I found how much could it have changed me? The whole time he lived with me, when we were in bed, life was grand. Nothing could be wrong. We'd sleep together as one. I would be almost molded into him with his arms around me, and neither one of us would move the whole night. We slept that way forever. All the years I knew him, when he would come to my place, we would always sleep like that. When was the last time you slept that way with your husband? Think about that. That's really monumental. It's nothing you can sweep under the rug. Sleeping together sometimes is even more important than having sex. And there wasn't a night we'd go to bed. Whether it was three years ago, two years ago, or then, when he moved in with me, we would sleep together every night. And when we'd get into bed, it was sex every night. Some women shy away from it because they're just not into it anymore. I don't think that's the case. I think it's that you're not into your partner anymore because pheromones be damned. I couldn't keep my hands off of him. He couldn't keep his hands off of me. It's all about chemistry, being in love, finding that special person. And I knew he was my special person. He wasn't perfect. Don't let me paint this picture that isn't true. And neither was I. But we knew together, in that bed, nothing could ever go wrong. We'd wake up in the morning to the same thing. I could never, ever wake up in the morning without having sex with him. It was a given. It was perfect for both of us. There were so many things he did that no man ever did to me before. Honestly, not even the man I was seeing before him. You know, it's not all about the action. It's about other things that go on. I don't even want to call it foreplay. It's just as an example. If a man really is infatuated in love in anything with you, he will do things and touch you in the ways that no other person in the world has ever done. For instance, when 
did your husband last take his face and rub his cheek all over your body, his cheek, his forehead, the top of his head, and just go up and down your legs and your stomach and just tell you how much he loves to rub on you. Not too many people can say that they have that happen, but this is what we had. He always kept his eyes open so he could see me while we were making love. When we'd kiss, his eyes would be open because he wanted to see me. He would grab onto me tightly. He would do things to me that I couldn't ever imagine two other people experiencing. That's how intense it was. (sighs) Sometimes it just takes my breath away. It just takes my breath away. He left his wife. I kept turning in circles. I kept looking around, thinking, when is the other shoe going to drop? When will the fingers start pointing at me? No one deserves this kind of fulfillment. Happiness. You had to have been an angel in another lifetime. And I started to get sick. Oh, God, the chemo was really starting to mess with me. And I just didn't feel like myself. And every day I would put on a brave face and I would pretend that everything was fine with me health-wise. I wasn't losing my hair this round, which was God, I was so grateful for that. The only thing I felt was mood swings and weakness, and I just wanted to get through it. And I tried, oh, I tried so hard to just be me, just to be the person he knew before the chemo, just to be the woman he fell in love with in the beginning. I wanted to be her again. And I I really feel like I was. I don't feel like I let anything go off track. He stayed. We lived. We went out. He tried to get through his family dilemmas. They were crucifying him for doing this. He was worried about his mother, who said to him, I've been married to your father for 65 years. And I think I was only in love with him for five. Do you see me leaving him? I mean, what parent says that to a son who's in his 50s? Which one was more cruel? Her or him? Or his daughter, who was just a royal bitch? She would call me a witch any time she could. No one ever met me. No one ever heard my side of the story. Yes, I understand they were devastated that their family was splitting up. But for God's sake, 80% of the world splits up. They were grown-ups in their mid to late 20s, his children. What about his wife? He didn't even care about how she felt. It was more about how his mother felt. (sighs) I'm not going to dwell on that because it just ended. The day I was going for chemo... He said to me he was leaving. Now, should that not have been enough of a doorstop for me 
to pull the thing out from under the door and slam the fucking thing so he could never come back in? Is it enough or not? Why would I allow myself to go through this multiple times, especially while sick? And all the time I knew him, his friends, I met a couple of them. Well, you know, I guess they're like a little clan because one of them has had a girlfriend for years and his wife doesn't know about it. The other one had a girlfriend for years as well. And both of his friends are in love with the women that they have as girlfriends. And their wives are clueless. How do men get away with this? How does anyone get away with this? Even more so, how did their friends meet me and expect me to keep my mouth shut if ever I were to be put in a situation like I am right now? Because it was all well and good while I was the other woman, the other woman syndrome. But now he left his wife and he paid for a fucking attorney to the tune of $7,500. He made an effort and a half, told everyone and left, moved in with me while I was on chemo. Three months later, turned to me and said, this isn't going to work. Okay. I said to him, how about a conversation? Could you at least have talked to me and told me that something was amiss instead of just picking up and saying you're done? I mean, I have a life too. It's not all about you. Nothing I could say would change his mind. In fact, he went in to take a shower and I walked into the bathroom while he was showering glass door shower and I am pleading with him to just talk with me and tell me what it is that I've done. Why do I assume that it's something I've done? Can you possibly be that way too? Assuming the guilt, assuming the blame for something we haven't done. And while I'm talking to him and he's done with his shower, he takes the squeegee and he starts to clean the glass as if I'm not even there. He doesn't even look me in the eye. No comment. At that point, I helped him pack. I helped him take his stuff, load his car. I said to him, you know, I'm leaving for chemo in about a half an hour. And he says to me, yeah, I feel bad about that. (laughs) So he leaves We're done. That was in February. It's now March, April, May, June, July, August. Six months later, I find somebody talking to me on Facebook. I don't recognize the name. But, you know, when you're on Facebook, you have threads going and lots of people are talking and chiming in. And uh, at one point I said to him, because he commented on one of my podcasts, I said, who are you? David was the name that he chose who are you, David? And he didn't respond. A week or two went by again, and he makes more comments on my Facebook page. And then I went to look at the page of the person, this David person, and there was no picture, there was no history, there was no information, nothing. So I felt personally with Facebook, 
if I don't know you, I don't let you on because I'm in the media industry and I've met most everyone that is on my page at a radio show or conference or something in my time. And I wanted to message him to say, I would like to know who you are because I'm a little uncomfortable. And I clicked on message and there I saw it. This long ongoing message that he and I had had the night he left his wife to move in with me. This was Nick. I was shocked that I didn't remember. Absolutely stunned. And the next day I wrote him and I said, why are you doing this to me again? Why can't you just leave me alone? What do you want? What do you want from me? As livid as I became is as soft as I felt because I don't know how to escape him. Emotionally, it's like he's got hooks in me. Did you ever have that feeling where somebody just holds on to you inside and knows just how hard to pull and just when to let go and when to yank you in and when to let you go? And and it's just like you feel like a fish on the end of a hook. I said to him, I want you to come see me. And he said, Without hesitation, I'll be there. He came over. We talked. We had a drink. We went to bed. (laughs) And it was exactly as it used to be. I belonged right there. He belonged on top of me or beside me or holding me and told me he loved me. He's been in love with me forever. He'll never love anyone like he loves me. And I just absorbed it all. It all sunk in. I breathed it in. I inhaled it with the deepest breath I had. And I held it because I didn't want to exhale. I didn't want to lose what I just was feeling because it had been so long. I finally felt like a woman again, full ripe for the picking twice we were together twice that same afternoon two times in a row in between kisses and looks and love yous and hugs and him rubbing his face on me the way he does against my thighs on the inside of my thighs my hips my stomach telling me I'm so soft. He just loves to rub, 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 rub it in. And I just soaked it up. I soaked it up because I knew I was still in love with him. I knew. I wasn't even going to ask him what comes next. When will I see you again? I wasn't going to ask those questions. I was just going to let it be because I wasn't so far gone yet that I couldn't walk away and be safe. I still had a little bit of barrier up that I could maintain some semblance of sanity. And we were done and he was getting ready to leave and I had a friend that was coming over to pick me up to go play racquetball. And I went into the bathroom and he says to me, this is where it gets very interesting. As I'm running the bathwater, he says, 
somebody's at your front door. I said, well, that's impossible. My friend isn't supposed to be here for another 40 minutes. I said, I don't know who'd be here. And he says, well, I'm just telling you, I heard somebody ring the bell or and do some knocking. And so I came out of the bathroom. And as I came out of the bathroom, he looked at his Apple watch and he says, fuck, it's my wife. I said, what do you mean? She's the one that's at the front door. You know, for all these five years, I prayed for a moment like that. Like I would leave little traces of perfume or lipstick or maybe an earring every once in a great while in his pocket and pray to God that he'd get caught so that he'd have to wind up with me. But at that moment, I did not feel that victory. I was stunned. Many, many things went through my mind at the same moment. Number one, how did he feel free enough to come over in the first place when she had his car bugged for two years? Number two, how did she have the courage to come to the front door? I had to give it to her. And number three, what was he going to do? What should I do? I couldn't even figure out how to put my bra back on. I was so flustered by what was going on and his reaction after he had just gotten done saying how much he loved me, how he missed me, how sex has never been any better. He is spinning in circles saying, my life is over. I'm fucked. My life is over. And I'm like looking at him as if he is some wind-up toy that is going in the opposite direction. His first reaction was to run, to get in his car that was parked in my garage and leave through the back way. I said to him, do you honestly believe that she's not going to hear the garage door open? You need to go open the front door. Talk to her. Do what you got to do. I was just happy that I got laid. I was happy that it was him. I was happy that I felt like a woman again, like I wasn't a dried up prune. I felt vibrant. I felt like I came alive again. And maybe it wasn't supposed to be for him. I don't know. I was still in that in-between stage. Maybe he just had the key that I needed to let somebody else in. I don't know. All I do know is his reaction when that doorbell was ringing was panic, panic, panic. Not something I would have expected from someone who said they were in love with me. I stayed in my room. He went to the front door. I tried to get dressed. I couldn't. I don't know what happened to me. My fingers got all crazy. I couldn't hook my bra. I had a little robe that I had been wearing and I threw it on and I just stayed in the room and she starts yelling for me to come out. Are you not woman enough to come out and have this conversation? And then I hear her walking towards the back of the house where my bedroom is. So, you know, I walked out and the whole conversation I'd been listening to was, you slept with her, didn't you? And he'd say, no, no, I didn't. I swear, I promise, I'm sorry, I didn't. Over and over again, like he was a puppet with some kind of a string that you'd pull and yank it and it would go back and he'd say, no, no, I'm sorry, I didn't. I finally looked at the two of them and I had had enough. And I said, stop, Nick, tell her the truth. For God's sake, she's not a stupid woman. Tell her the truth. 
and my truth and his truth were two different things. He said she had a problem. She wanted to talk to me. She asked me to come over. She turns to me and she says, why can't you leave my husband alone? Why do you need to reach out to him? And I said, hold up. I did not contact your husband. He contacted me. She turned and she looked at him. And his shirt is now covered in perspiration. And I've now witnessed the man that I've been in love with for five years lie to his wife in front of me about me. I've seen this whole circle just spin completely out of control like a whirlwind that's turning into some kind of hurricane or tornado. She looks at him. She looks at me. She says, I told you three times that would be it. And she starts to leave and he he leans over her and he, he starts again with the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not what you think. And I just got sick to my stomach. I really did. So she left. She left. He walked into the kitchen. I said to him, nice job. Like, what the fuck? He tried to call her. He was acting as if I didn't even exist. Trying to reach his wife to make it better. (laughs) Like I've not been collateral damage enough already. She refused to take his call, refused to talk. I said to him, so what do you want to do? And now I'm starting to feel like this sick feeling in my stomach. Who is it that I've been involved with for all these years? Maybe he's just in shock. I'll give him that. Let's see how this plays out for a little while longer. Do you want me to make you a drink? Yeah, that'd be good. Thanks. The thing that blew my mind the most was the fact that he found time to call his best friend, the other cheater, the other man that's had a girlfriend for God knows how many years and sees her quite often. He found the time to call him and tell him what was going on and ask him what to do while his wife was ringing my doorbell. What kind of a man does that? I only found out because the man called him while I was making a drink for us afterwards. And he said to me, it's Jason calling me back. I said, well, when did you ever call him? He says, well, you know, I got kind of frustrated. I said, you called him while you were in my bedroom avoiding your wife's knocks on my door? And he sort of just, you know, answered the phone and and skirted the whole issue. We went out to eat. I said, you need to go home and you need to talk to your wife, but you have to have something to eat because you've had three drinks. Let's go get you something to eat. He agreed. I'm like, I got to wash this man out of my hair. That's really what I was feeling. But he's telling me, that she is refusing to see him. And then finally the text arrives. Yes, come home, we'll talk. He goes, they talk. He texts me at about, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. And he says, I don't like the condition she's in. I am too tired to drive back. I'm going to sleep on the couch. And I'm thinking, "Uh uh-huh. 
right. He's got two other bedrooms that his kids lived in. No more kids to worry about at home. And he's sleeping on the couch. Next day comes and goes. I hear from him maybe twice. I said, what are you doing? You know, just give me a clue here. My daughter was coming in that day to stay for the weekend, and I needed to know what to tell her. I didn't want to just throw this at her because she knew how devastated I had been over him before. I said, when you say you're discussing things or working out details, those were the words he used. I said, do you mean details as in coming home details? He says, that isn't even an issue that's on the table. So what would you think if you were me? You would think they're splitting up and they're discussing details of divorce, right? Well, I don't hear from him. And I decide not to say anything to my daughter because I don't know what to say. The next day, I receive a text. A text. The man couldn't even man up and call me. The woman he had sex with twice said he was in love with, made love to, kissed, hugged, rubbed, grabbed, all of those things, texted me and said, I've decided to work it out with my wife. I'm sorry for including you in the first place. My apologies. (laughs) I looked at that text and I just, I thought, I just wasted five years of my life on an imbecile and a bigger imbecile that is his wife. How could any woman whose husband has now cheated on her Four times, take him back. Is she that desperate? Really? Is any woman that desperate that they will take back a man after the fourth time when it's with the same woman? Between you and me, I would never. I would have said goodbye the first time. And I would have gone out and probably gotten laid. You know, tit for tat, four times this woman still brought him back. So the last few days have been a little bit like turbulent, up and down. He wouldn't even call me to have a conversation with me, not even as a friend. His wife texted me from his phone telling me that I am some kind of fucking crazy woman. (laughs) You know what? She's right, because I let myself get involved with her crazy-ass husband who has no regard for anyone other than himself. So his major lie created all of this collateral damage that is spinning like a whirlpool all around him, and he gets a bye again. Well, any of you that know me know who he is. I've not used his real name. I've just told a story, but I've talked about him before. It's not like the first time you're hearing about him if you've followed me for a couple years now. He deserves whatever comes his way. And this isn't the end of it for me. This is not revenge. This is me needing to talk to somebody. And you're it. Thank you for that, by the way. I needed to get it off my chest. And I thank The best part of all is I'm finally 
rid of him. I finally reached that point. I need to be able to reach that point. You know that I'm done point. You know me. I am that woman that has to be done. And once I'm done, I walk. I never even look back. It's not worth the time, the effort, or the energy anymore to waste on someone like that. And his wife has been talking to me, texting me. She sounds like white trash. She doesn't even know how to speak proper English. How he is with her when he speaks, you know, more eloquently. I don't even know what either one of them see in each other. I don't. I feel sorry for them both. I just need to distance myself and get on with my life, and that's exactly what I'm doing. They can sit in that house over there, you know, <laughs> and they can look at each other for the next twenty, twenty-five years, as you've heard me say over and over again. They can get old together, and they can be just like his mother and father, where they will be not in love. And they will just stare at each other and have nothing to say, because he used to tell me they could go for hours in the car and never talk to each other. How do you live like that? I guarantee you, that's what's going to happen. They will both be miserably happy and happily miserable together, and I'm just going to move on with my life. I actually feel a lot better now that I've talked to you. And after I finally emailed him at work, and I said to him, "This was today. How could you do this? How could you not be a man and talk to me, call me, tell me what's going on instead of throwing me to the wind and letting your wife gnaw her teeth on me? How could you do this?" Do you not feel that you have a price to pay for being this kind of person? Even though I say I'm done, it's like waves that come and go. I'm more done than I'm not, but this was a wave, and it was a big fucking surf. The next thing that happened, and then I'm going to let you go. I get a phone call from him saying I'm on my way there. I said what? And I hang up the phone because I'm not even dressed. I went in. I threw a robe on. I brushed my hair. I had, trust me when I say, no intent on having him stay. That was not my goal. He rang the bell. This is the man that lived with me, who would come in my garage, park his car, and come in through the back door every day. He rang my front doorbell. I let him in. We sat down in the living room. I sat across from him, and he says, "Well, I'm here." I said, "For what? Because you said that I needed to man up, and you're right, and I'm here." And I said, "And what good is that going to do us now? This is after the fact. Do you not think that what you did was wrong, and that I should just forget it? Well, you know, this is what you said you wanted, and、uh, I know you're right, and I should have called you." And I said, "So, Nick, why are you here?"、And、he says,、oh, "I just told you." And I said, "So you're really going to go home, and you're going to live that life—the life that you told me you didn't want. Why is she taking you back? I mean, that's a huge question. To, you know, it's a mystery to me." And he didn't say anything. He just sort of smiled, ha ha ha, one of those. And I said, "So really, are you here because you feel 
threatened in some way? Did I say something that made you uncomfortable or feel the least bit threatened? Because, you know, it wasn't my intent to make you feel for your life that you had to worry about something. I was letting you know that I felt you did the wrong thing. And I said, so is that why you're here? Do you feel threatened and and why? He says, well, uh, yeah, I do. And I said, threatened? He said, yeah. I said, about what? And he says, well, uh, my job. I said, your job? I said, we have nothing more to say. He says, well, then why did I come here? I said, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea why you're here. He stands up and he goes, well, fuck my life then. I said, I guess so. And he tries to close the door, like slam it behind him. And I grabbed the door and I said, I got this. And he left. But no one deserves to be put in that position. And I will say this on behalf of his wife. I don't blame her. I blame him. And she should not blame me. She should blame him. He is the centrifugal force that caused this whole catastrophe to blow up, even to ignite in the first place. And when I talk to you as a girlfriend or just a friend in general, most often it's not the other woman that causes the problem. It's our men. I don't know what's wrong with them. Me? Yeah, I get itchy every once in a while. I like to try new things. I like to go and see other people. But if I'm in a relationship with somebody, a serious relationship, I will never cheat on them. If I am in love with somebody, why would I want to? So the writing is on the wall. You cannot cheat on each other if you are in love with each other. If you love each other, it's two different things. That's like friendship love. That's like, yes, I'll take care of you, love. That is not passion in love, love. If you feel yourself starting to look in another direction at another man or another woman, then you know something has to be fixed because something sure as hell ain't right. We were friends as well as lovers. We could have had a civil conversation like two adults. Tell me you want to go home. Tell me, do you think that I would stop him? Why would I do that? Why would you do that? None of us would do something like that. If a man wants to leave, he goes. Who wants to keep somebody captive that doesn't want to be with you? Not me and certainly not you. So why in the world would she? Wow. I hope she hears this. Maybe it'll knock some sense into her. I'll tell you this, if it does and she kicks him to the curb, I'm not taking him back. I'm done. You've heard it here. Robin said so. Sugar mom said she's done. Fuck you. You're out of my life. (sighs) I feel a lot lighter. I had no idea I was talking as long as I was talking. I hope I didn't bore you, but there's a lesson to be learned from all of this stuff. Who's got it worse, the wife or the other woman? (laughs) I remember one text the last time ago. He said, I'm at home with my wife. And this is the day he moved out. And I said back to him in the text, I was supposed to be your wife. 
And when I said that, I realized how ridiculous I sounded. And how did I let myself get into this mess? And here I did it again, but not anymore. I really did finally learn my lesson. It's over. If you have a story and you would like to share and you want to come on the air with me and talk about it, we don't have to use your name. We don't have to use your city. We don't have to say anything about who you really are. But if you want to share it and talk about it, write to me, Robin Marshall, sugar mom at gmail.com. Maybe his wife will write to me. We can compare notes. But I'm serious. I'll be happy to bring you on the air or just happy to talk about your story for you, whichever makes you comfortable. But my advice to you is don't ever, ever let yourself get involved with a married man unless you see the divorce papers. (laughs) Really, truly. This podcast can be heard on multiple different platforms, but you're safest, I would assume, with iTunes. Sugar Mom Podcast. And if you don't mind, if you like what you hear or you have something to say, leave a comment right on the website. You know, there's a little square that you can type your message in or click a couple gold stars so I know you like it or suggest something else you'd like me to talk about, something that's relatable to you, whether it's something you've gone through or something you want to know about. I'll do the research. You just sit back and listen. How's that? Anyway... Off to another day. (laughs) And I will talk with you again next week. Next week, I have something very special for you. Somebody took the time to reach out to me and asked if they could interview me. And they also do a podcast and they're in Australia. So I've got the copy of the podcast that he interviewed me. And I'm going to just add my own little beginning on it. And uh, you'll be able to hear his podcast on my podcast while he asks me the questions about dating over the age of 40 and 50. Pretty interesting stuff to hear from two perspectives live, somebody across the ocean and me. Have a wonderful night. Say a little prayer for me. She made it through. God bless her. Bless her little heart, as they say down here. And I'll talk with you again. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. Westwood One Podcast Production.